0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening. This is Karen Stefano, author of the forthcoming memoir, What a Body Remembers, a memoir of sexual assault and its aftermath. And I'm delighted to have with me today the amazing Michelle Philgate, editor of the essay collection, What My Mother and I Don't Talk About. Michelle, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. Uh, So, what's the what's the release date for the for the collection? April thirtieth, this coming Tuesday. That's that's
0: what I thought. So, how do you, how do how does it feel? I mean, you must be. (laughs) I know you're so busy right now. um, But what does it feel like?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, (laughs) it's uh, it it feels like all the feelings. (laughs) It's uh, it's definitely a dream come true, um, but it doesn't come without a tremendous amount of pain as well. Because um, as you know, the essay that led to this anthology in the first place is the hardest thing I've ever written. Right. Um, and so releasing that to the world um, on a website is different than having it immortalized forever in a book. Uh, and and so um, I have all kinds of emotions, but mostly what I'm what I I'm experiencing right now is just um, real excitement over the conversations that this book is starting between people and uh, the buzz I'm seeing around it. And just a lot of pride in, in all of the extraordinary writers in this book and the, the stories that they shared. I, I just feel so happy with how the whole thing has turned out.
0: Yeah. And you're, um, you're a pretty prolific, uh, tweeter. and I I see your tweets a lot, and I think I saw last week that uh like Oprah Magazine featured the book. Is that do I have that right? Is
1: you do? Yeah, they yeah. chose it as one of the top ten books for for May. Yeah, that's,
0: <laughs> that's that's pretty huge, and that has to be a huge a huge source of pride. Yes. Um, yeah, I, let me. Start. Um, I think a, you're right. There's been a huge amount about of buzz about the book so far, and it hasn't even released yet. But for uh, those handful of people listening who haven't heard about the book yet, uh, can you just tell us, tell them briefly what this collection is
1: about? Yeah, absolutely. So. This essay came about because I worked on um, an essay for many years, well over a decade, that I started when I was an undergraduate in college. Um, And that essay is called What My Mother and I Don't Talk About. Um, When I first started writing it, I thought it was pretty much mostly focused on, on my stepfather and the fact that he abused me. But what it took me many years of therapy and being a writer to figure out is that this essay is really actually about my relationship with my mother and the fracture that this abuse caused in in my family with her with my relationship with her um, so really, what took me so many years to to winnow down and, and get to the heart of is is the longing I have for a better relationship with my mom and the ramifications of abuse um, so when this essay came out, it was published October of 2017, right after the Weinstein story broke. So it's, the Me Too movement really took off, and it couldn't have been published in a better moment. Um, And the essay went viral. Um, You know, Rebecca Solnit, Lydia Yuknovich, and Lamont, they all shared it on their social media. Um, And so many people responded to the title of my essay. I heard again and again from people saying, oh, I have something I can't talk about with my mother too. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't always um, about a traumatic situation, right? Um, and so it quickly uh, came to my attention that this would be like a great idea for an anthology because so many people had these stories they wanted to share. And it clearly struck a nerve um, because everyone, as I say in the introduction to my book, everyone even for like a nanosecond of a time has a mother, even if they never meet her. And so we all it's its like this primal relationship that says that, you know, we we're always kind of trying to figure out our mothers. And even if they're no longer here, especially if they're no longer here, we're also trying to figure them out. So this essay collection, I'm hoping will resonate with many, many people and open up many conversations and it was my goal to make sure that this wasn't just an essay collection of people with bad relationships with their moms. There's there are also some humorous essays in here. There are essays by people who are very close with their mothers. Um, So it's a wide range of stories. It's very diverse.
0: Yeah, it is and um, I was fortunate enough obviously to get my hands on an advanced copy and that was something that I felt viscerally, reading uh, all of the essays, um, they, they all resonated with me somehow. Mm-hmm. And particularly some of them, I like in Alexander Cheese essay, I, some of his sentences... <sighs> I, I just, I felt them physically. I felt like he was writing something about me. Right. Uh, and, and, and I felt that with, with, with many of the essays, uh, even though, you know, maybe their story w- is different from mine, uh, their relationship with their mother's is different from my relationship with my mother. And yet yeah, right. it, it still felt so, so relatable and so personal. Yes. Yeah. 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 So tell, tell, tell us about, tell us the journey of how this collection came to be. I know that your essay, um, you know, of the title of the book, What My Mother and I Don't Talk About uh, was published on long reads, like you say October two thousand and seventeen it went viral but then how then how did this collection come about? How did you select these
1: authors and these are all previously unpublished essays, correct? Most of them, so the only ones that have already been published are my essay, obviously, and then um, Brandon Taylor's was previously published on LitHub, and Andre Asimons was in The New Yorker. Okay, But everyone else, everyone else, they were original essays. Um, and I sold the book fairly quickly. I mean, that essay came out in October. I think, if I'm remembering the timeline correctly, that um, my agent sent my proposal out in February and we sold it really, really quickly um, because of the, the, the need for this kind of book in the moment we're in. And um, I reached out. Uh, Uh, after the essay had some success I reached out to some writers I admire and asked if they might have stories to tell about what they can't talk about with their mothers and that was what led to this proposal I had some some people on the proposal already signed up to do this like Leslie Janison for for, uh, Mm -hmm. for instance Um, so I think that 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 led to to this book being sold very quickly. The fact that I had some powerhouse writers lined up to to be in it, um, and then you know it was really important to me to get uh, a diverse group of authors, um, a diver- and also just diverse stories. People who have all kinds of different relationships with their mothers. You know, um, people whose mothers are still alive. People whose mothers are not. Um, i wanted I wanted a wide range of human experience in here, so that to me feels like the job of a good anthology editor is to make sure that you're representing uh a bunch of different stories and not having everything feel the same um so that's that's kind of how that happened and it, it it's amazing to me that i like that I pulled this off so quickly because <laughs> yeah a <laughs> little so February and then. Um, we had to get the the finished essays in by the fall of of the same year um, of last year. So, yeah, this all it all turned turned out like it, it worked out really well.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty remarkable. And um, I'm sorry, but everyone listening is going to hate you just a little bit for having it all come together so nice <laughs> and <laughs> neatly. Since that's it's not normally good. enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's that's not the average person's publishing journey.
1: No, no. I really feel like fortunate for how it turned out. But yeah, I recognize that that's not an an ordinary story. But I do think it was the combination of these incredible writers who signed up to be a part of it. And and the fact that this is really the moment we're in is really about breaking silences. And the subtitle of my book is 15 Writers Break the Silence. So I feel like this is a book of this moment
0: yeah absolutely and i i noted that you say in your introduction acknowledging what we couldn't say for so long for whatever reason is one way to heal our relationships with others and perhaps most importantly with ourselves
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh i you know talk about lines in the book that i could relate to so so deeply um i've experienced trauma my own forthcoming memoir is about uh sexual assault um my terrible experience in uh as a as a victim in the criminal justice system and uh, so much you know even worse than the trauma the The experience of trauma, I believe, is the silence, the secrecy, the sense of personal shame, and uh, I, I just, you know, I wanted you to just kind of, kind of, sp- kind of speak to that, and because I know that that's that secrecy and that personal shame is what this book goes to the heart of
1: absolutely yeah and I'm so glad that you brought up your own book because I can't wait to read it I'm just I'm so excited
0: thank you and I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna embarrass you for a second which is that I want to say that it was such a pleasure to have you as a student in one of my classes and I know firsthand that this book is going to be amazing so I can't wait to read it and,
0: um, and, and <laughs> I'm glad and I'm so uh, I'm so glad you brought that up everyone who's listening the way I met we haven't met in person but the way I met um Michelle is that I needed I needed a jump start as we all do sometimes in our writing and she teaches a fabulous online class through Catapult and Mm -hmm. it was such it, it was such a favorable experience for me and and Michelle I mean not only did I uh with with your help and the help of the other students on this, in this online class. But I generated an essay that ultimately got published in the rumpus. And so you're just forever going to be held closely in my heart for, for your part in that. And then in addition to the, the, the generative process that occurred in that class, you really facilitated real relationships and real friendships, which isn't so easy to do in an online course. But for example, one woman, um, Aya Bande Amede, who was who was in the class, she lives yeah. in DC and um I've hung out with her personally a few times. We're real life friends. I mean not Oh I love not, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not just not just acquaintances, not just Um, you know, writer connections, um, but real life friends. And then she introduced me to her close friend, Shabnam Curtis, who just published a wonderful memoir, uh, My Persian Paradox. And Shabnam was on the pod, on my last podcast. And so, so this is all because of you and the community that you generated through the, the catapult class. So anyway like I said I mean I'm gonna embarrass you again (laughs) uh you know you're you will forever hold a place in my heart
1: oh thank you so much I love I love teaching it's it's really like my absolute favorite thing to do so so that means a lot to me to hear that from you um but I in fact you know Mike, uh I, I don't want us to get off too too far off subject but just a, a quick thing about teaching is that my grandmother is a piano teacher and has been her for most of her life and um some of my uncles uh have been music teachers um one one still is and so I feel like my grandmother I feel connected to my family by by teaching and my grandmother always says that teaching is a sacred act and I really mm. agree. With her. I feel like there is something sacred about it Um, but, but going back to what you were asking about, about shame, I do feel that, um, you know, that, that quote you shared from my intro, acknowledging what we couldn't say for so long, for whatever reason is one way to heal our relationships with others. And perhaps most importantly with ourselves, um, the way I want to connect that to teaching is that one thing I often do in my in-person classes for uh, the first day for the writing prompt is to have them write about something that they feel a tremendous amount of shame around because that's often where the um, good stories are, things that we don't want to articulate, that we don't want to express, that we shy away from, that we run away from because we're afraid of, of saying what we perhaps might need to say. That's often where the stories are that are really going to resonate with other people um, and so I, I'm a big believer in, in approaching the things that we are afraid of talking about. Um, and and, I, and I, I do believe that that's one of my main missions of this book is for people to release that shame a little bit and to allow the readers to release that own shame in their lives um, and find some kind of solace and feel less alone.
0: Yeah, and and uh, I think this this collection definitely succeeds in that vein. Um, Michelle, would you be willing to read for us an excerpt from your essay?
1: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm going to read. Let's see here. Um, I'm I'm going to read just from the beginning of it, if that's okay. Okay. Uh, Lacuna, an unfilled space or interval, a gap. Our mothers are our first homes, and that's why we're always trying to return to them, to know what it was like to have one place where we belonged, where we fit. My mother is hard to know, or rather, I know her and don't know her at the same time. I can imagine her long grayish brown hair that she refuses to chop off, the vodka and ice in her hand. But if I try to conjure her face, I'm met instead by her laugh, a fake laugh, the kind of laugh that is trying to prove something, a forced happiness. Several times a week, she posts tempting photos of food on her Facebook page. Pork tacos with pickled red onions, strips of beef jerky just out of the smoker, slabs of steak that she serves with steamed vegetables. These are the meals of my childhood, sometimes ambitious and sometimes practical. But these meals for me call to mind my stepfather, the red of his face, the red of the blood pooled on the plate. He uses a dish towel to wipe the sweat from his cheeks. His work boots are coated in sawdust. His words puncture me, Kinds of a fork stuck in a half-deflated balloon. You are the one causing problems in my marriage, he says. You fucking bitch, he says. I'll slam you, he says. And I'm afraid he will. I'm afraid he'll press himself on top of me on my bed until the mattress opens up and swallows me whole. Now, my mother saves all of her cooking skills for her husband. Now, she serves him food at their farmhouse in the country and their condo in the city. Now my mother no longer cooks for me. Do you want me to read any more? Lisa? No, no, that's that's
0: that's fabulous, and I just you know it's it's been a few weeks since I read the, the essay, and just listening to you read, I just kind of got lost in it all over again, and uh, and also can really relate to the. The love and withholding um, Mm -hmm. surrounding cooking, you know, cooking food was a big part of my relationship with with my mother and she was a generous cook. And it's something that I will certain meals are things that I'll forever associate with her in a very positive way. And uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of people can can relate to that in terms of like food and love or its opposite. Um so that's so that's a beautiful excerpt and 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 thank you for thank you for sharing that. Um going back again to your introduction to the collection. You note that you were, and I'm quoting here, rattled by felt by how it felt to release such a vulnerable piece of writing into the world. Speaking uh, again of of your essay, and uh, I, I mean, I I think that that's something that every single essayist and or memoir writer can relate to. And I know it's something that, that I can relate to. We were just a couple of months ago, finishing up final, final edits on my book, what a body remembers, which is I'm, I'm bas you know, I'm pouring my innards out to mm. the world. And I, and as we were wrapping up the edits, I had this kind of sense of panic, like, Holy shit, do I really want to tell everybody in the world all of this <laughs> personal stuff? And mm-hmm. um, and you know, and of course there was no turning back then. I'd been working on this book for a few years, but it was a really um it was really a scary, scary moment that hadn't hadn't dawned on 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 me. And I, I mean, is that what it was like for you? I mean, how did it feel as this essay went viral and it must have felt you must have felt so vulnerable but you must have felt so validated validated
1: too I I think that's exactly it yes I did feel validated especially hearing from strangers who's who had similar stories to share um Mm -hmm. that was really a powerful experience um but I, I I, mean, you mentioned my intro. I also say in the intro that um, the morning that Longreads published this essay, I was actually staying with a friend of mine, another writer, um, on her houseboat in Sausalito, and mm. there were wildfires around at the time. Um, and so, you know, the, the air smelled like smoke. And I went out on the top of her houseboat and was sitting there and opened my laptop to look at... To see the essay published uh-huh. and I I just um when I opened my laptop I I saw the essay on long reads and it didn't even occur to me until it was already my my keyboard was already covered that there was ash there were ashes raining down on me and on the keyboard of my laptop like snow um and it really felt like I had set fire to my own life mm. And and so it was kind of a key image of seeing this ash in front of me. It just validated exactly how I felt in that moment because it, it did feel kind of terrifying to release yeah. such a vulnerable story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had uh, I was recently on a panel at the um, AWP writing conference that the wonderful writer, Vanessa Martier curated based on a a writing class that she teaches called Writing the Mother Wound. Um, And she talks about being unmothered and she put together this extraordinary panel that I was so lucky enough to be on. And after the panel, several people came up to me asking for permission to write about their own mothers and you know, that's something that you can't give to anyone else. You can't give permission to someone to write about one of their most painful stories. That's something that the writer has to give themselves permission. Right. And sometimes you have to trick yourself into that. I'm sure you felt that way with your own writing too, where it's like you have to even like pretend that it's never even going to be published when you're writing it in order to even get the words on the page. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. (laughs) So, so otherwise you'll silence yourself. So I, I think, you know, the experience of once it started to go viral, it did feel validating, but it also was really scary because I was like, okay, there's no turning back now. This story is out in the world. Uh, I made a choice and this choice has led to this being out in the world. Um, so it did feel kind of terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think of something that I, I just interviewed Danny Shapiro, the wonderful writer of um, many books, and her best-selling memoir, Inheritance, came out this year. And I just interviewed her for Literary Hub. It's, it's coming out in a few weeks. But one of the things she said to me that really struck, stuck with me is that memoirists, they're choosing what to tell of their, their own life. So even though you might be revealing a lot about your own story, it's a controlled thing you're doing. So that you do have a sense of control over what you are choosing to share. And that gives me some comfort, um, too. So.
0: Yeah. um, So as people, so people came up to you after this, this panel at, at AWP and like, like, so in, in what way were they asking for permission? Um, Cause I, I, cause I get it. I get what you're saying, but, mm-hmm. um, like saying I want to write about my mother and should I do that? My mother's alive. Yeah. It's going to be hurtful or, or I, I'm sure there were variations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of exactly it. That, you know, some of them like were afraid of what their families would think, not just mm-hmm. even their mom, but how other loved ones would react. Um, some were just not sure whether they were ready to share their story with yeah. the world, And yeah. I had to, I had to remind them that it took me many years to be get, be ready to share mine. Uh, yeah, So um, I think that people just want some validation that they're doing the right thing by writing about something that is so painful for them. And that's not something that anyone else can tell them that has to come right. from within, you know? Right. So, uh, but I totally get it. I mean, I, as a um, when I was a beginning writer, I, I wanted that kind of validation too of being told it's okay to do this, it's okay, you know. But that's that's something that you have to kind of come to on your own, however, right. you get there, right? Right? And so, so we've been
0: talking about all of the overwhelmingly positive response to this essay uh when when it was published on long reads back in october 2017. Did you ever get any negative feedback on it? Like I mean from Twitter trolls or any anything?
1: Surprisingly not really. The 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 worst negative feedback and the one that matters to me is is my mother, unfortunately. Um, so things are pretty complicated between us right now. And she, as you can imagine from having read my essay, um, she's not happy (laughs) about it or, or about the book. So that has been the hardest thing for me. And that was a risk I took in publishing this. Um, And I'm just, it's a deeply painful, complicated thing for me. And I'm hoping I'm hoping that we will be able to one day have the conversation we really need to have. Um, yeah. And I'm hoping that this book will help with that because I did write this essay for my mother. I'm um, As weird as that sounds, this is for her. In the introduction, I talk about how I imagine how, how cooking is a way I can feel close to my mother and how mm-hmm. I imagine one day being able to cook a meal for her and hand her this book and say, I, I, I did. I you know, I I wrote this essay for you. I edited this book for you. But um, right now, that's not where we are yeah. in our relationship.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, yeah, it's in, it's interesting. Um, in 2015, I published a collection of short stories called uh, uh, "The Secret Games of Words," and it was it was fiction, but. There were a lot of mother daughter conflict stories
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um and my my mother at the time was just kind of starting her descent into into dementia and um it w- you know she she knew I had this collection coming out and um and I'm just like oh uh, fuck um you know i don't want her to read this because she's gonna see flickers of herself in here and she's gonna be hurt and i don't want that i i love my mother i have issues surrounding my mother um but what am what am i gonna do and so um uh, it, it it all worked out because um, I had a story published in the wonderful literary journal Epiphany, and mm-hmm. so they sent me a, a a copy of it. And so I gave her, <laughs> I gave her the copy. Uh, this is like so embarrassing and so dishonest <laughs> of me. Um, I gave her the copy of the the journal Epiphany, and I'm like. Here, Mom, here's my book. And and she took it, and um, and she's like, oh, I can't read this. The print's way too small. <laughs> and so um, I can't believe I'm telling you this and telling the world this. Um, but then I was off the hook, and she didn't ask about my book anymore. Um, so that's wow. just – I know. <laughs> I, I know. So um, – uh, taking advantage of your your mother's dementia, uh, that talk about uh, a prompt for things that you're ashamed of. But I just I didn't want to reading the stories because I didn't want to hurt her. So um, that's so understandable, though.
1: <laughs> you no, know? I I get it. I totally uh, get that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so. One, one more thing that I want to discuss with you, because uh, uh, we're starting to run out of time, as always happens in these podcasts. It's just such an enjoyable conversation. And then I I look at the time and I say, OK, it's time, we've we got time to wrap this up. But you also said in your introduction, we all share the instinct to avoid pain at all costs. We try yeah. to bury it deep inside of us until we can no longer feel it, until we forget that it exists and again 1000% relatable something we all do and ultimately never a good long-term strategy right and yet right uh, yet we all do it with the big stuff and the smaller stuff and why do you think we humans
1: try to get away with that (laughs) survival (laughs) denial as survival um i I mean i am half joking but i also am am serious too because i think that um we it's a coping mechanism right and 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 so it's really hard to confront these things and that's what good writing can do. It can make us confront the stuff that we don't want to confront, that we're not necessarily strong enough to confront. Um, that's also what good therapy can do. I'm a big believer, yeah. again, in therapy. Thank you to my therapist, She's amazing. Yes. My, therapist,
0: my therapist is in my acknowledgements. So is mine. It's yeah, so that's awesome. I love it. I love it. Yes. I love it.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Melissa Wax. She's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's because pain sucks pain (laughs) mental pain is just as bad emotional pain is just as bad as physical pain and sometimes it can be worse because it's in because it's invisible in some ways right but it manifests in our it's physical too it manifests in our bodies it does it does eat away at us it does have physical consequences so I think that it's really important for us to not avoid pain to actually like like confront pain and to let pain coexist with all the other emotions that we might have because it needs to like that's just how right. you a human um, Right. it's interesting
0: again going back to my own book when I was assaulted at at age 19 I was very young and naive and my really uh unfortunate coping mechanism was to just tell everybody I'm fine. No, I'm fine. I've got that. I'm fine. I'm fine. And uh, because I didn't want to feel the things I was feeling, I didn't want to process them. And then ultimately that never works. And then, um, you know, many, many years have passed since that incident. And then just uh, almost three weeks ago, my mother died. and it I'm was, so sorry. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. And she was 93 years old, uh, hadn't known who I was 99% of the time for about the past year. And yet my overwhelming emotion when my sister called me that morning was just shock and disbelief and denial. And, and I'm still very much in the grief process. And I feel like I'm a pretty emotionally evolved person. I've done a lot of work on myself. I still have a lot of work to do. As my therapist says, I'm a work in process, but I've just, it's been really, really interesting, Michelle, to just like watch myself trying to avoid the pain that to avoid the grieving process because like I just don't want to feel it because it, it feels like shit um yes. so it's huh? so it's very it, it's it's very interesting just this thing that we humans do to try to avoid pain at all costs and
1: never never works out it's so true it's a coping mechanism and I'm so sorry about your mother I I just lost my uncle a few weeks ago, and so i've been in the in the weird way of grief right now as well yeah. where it's like it comes in waves or then there's numbness and then there's waves right. of grief again and it's such a weird place to be in there's no there's no right way to grieve right no. but, but no. um but it's it's it, 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 it you know grief is is part of life um, yeah. Death is part of life. And it's so hard to let those things coexist sometimes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Making a, a, a rapid turn in the conversation as uh, I have to wrap up this podcast. Um, tell us y- your book releases in, uh, on April 30th. Where can people
1: buy the book? So I would love it if they would buy it through IndieBound, which allows you to order the book from a local, in, your local indie bookstore, or if you don't have one um, to to choose a, a, an indie bookstore, because I'm a former independent bookseller and that's where my heart is. And I, I really believe in supporting independent bookstores. Um, yeah. And, and so that, so go to IndieBound, find it, Um, you know, uh, also, you know, it is available everywhere else, including Amazon, but uh, indie bound if you if you feel like it that would be great
0: (laughs) okay awesome um i i know this this book is gonna sell like hot cakes uh i like i said i've i got in my hands on an uh advanced copy but i also pre-ordered the signed copy too so i'll have that as well for uh, for my collection um Uh, but Michelle, I'm, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited, uh, that this book is going to be out in the world. I think it's going to help a lot of people. And, um, I just want to say thank you so much for, for talking with me today.
1: Thank you. It's an honor to speak with you. Thank you so much.